You're listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast with Paula B, and this is episode number 58, 2021 Resolutions Part 2, Setting Time-Bound Goals. Well, hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to my now empty closet, and thank goodness for it. I'm so excited. It's past Christmas now, and I'm so excited to have a little bit of space to roam. And I mean, roam is such a funny word. I was actually thinking about this this morning when I got in the closet. It feels so huge in here now, and I never really think about exactly how big my closet is, and so I was trying to trying to measure it sort of just mentally. My closet is only about six feet long by six feet wide. It's actually a bit of a square or is a square. And it is it is not a large place, even without gigantic boxes in it. It is not a large place, but it feels so spacious in here today. And it was funny because I was thinking about spaciousness and that is one of the things that I am kind of thinking about for 2021. Here's my my weird segue into, by the way, welcome to the Fitness Matters podcast where every week we talk about the fitness matters that matter to you. <laughs> I do try really hard to like mention that every week just in case this is your first episode. If it is, hello, I'm Paula B. I ramble. Sometimes I have a really good segue into the topic. Sometimes I totally don't. You kind of never know. By the way, I also, I record in my closet, which is why I was even talking about my closet at all. Gosh, if this is your first episode, wow, welcome to it. This is this is a lot like what the podcast is. There's a lot of non-sequitur conversations, but I swear they all make sense in my mind, you guys. <laughs> you guys. So do you set a word or an intention for the year when you do like resolutions or do you just kind of ignore the whole thing and wish that resolutions didn't exist and that goals didn't exist? I used to be like that a long time ago. I used to not like to set goals at all. And yet I've always, I've always kind of like setting goals. I, we talked about this in a really, really old podcast. And I think it was, um, I think it was last year's resolutions series, which was also just a two part series. Um, and I was talking about how, when I was really young, like probably 10 or 11 years old, I remember setting resolutions to drink more water and be nicer to people. (laughs) Which cracks me up because honestly, both of those totally still on my list. But a couple of years ago, probably five or six years ago, I heard about this thing that some people do where they set, like they have a word for their year and they set like an intention for what they'd like the year to be like. And while I find it to be a perfectly lovely practice, it's not something that I do quite as intentionally as setting goals slash resolutions for myself. I've had a couple of different words for the year and actually the past couple of years I've I've had sort of variations on a theme and the theme is spaciousness and in the theme of of spaciousness I've actually had the word space set as as one of my uh, like words of the year I think I really haven't truly decided on a word for 2021 it's probably going to be generosity though it, it's generosity has been a big theme for me for the past couple of years and I still really like it and so I'm probably spaciousness and generosity to me are very very much in the same vein of having enough space in my mind and my you know my physical space to feel generous 
um, both both very important to me. Anyways, totally not related to time-bound goals. I was just thinking about how when you have like a theme for your year that, that sometimes it's a little bit gentler and easier than setting actual goals for yourself or resolutions for yourself. And that's something that I really wanted to just touch on today because I want you to know that, you know, last week when I announced these time-bound goals that I have for myself, that in 2021, I am writing a book and I am reaching, you know, half a million subscribers, that I I know that it sounds very, I'm not going to say easy, but that's the only word that's really coming to me. It can sound very easy when somebody else sets a goal or a resolution. It's like, oh, okay, that's all you do. You just say something and, and then and then you make it happen. And like, like, there's only two steps to the whole thing, right? Like that, there you go. We, we say something that we want and then, and then it happens. And I know that when I first started getting into this, this realm of goal setting and resolution setting and having a theme for the year and, and things like that, that's what I really thought. Like I, I watched entrepreneurs, I listened to their podcasts and I, I really absorbed all of what they were saying, but I did not take into account that they had been doing this for a while. And that is, if you take nothing else away from today's podcast, this is the thing that I want you to take away. I personally do not recommend time-bound goals for new goal setters. I really, really don't. I, I find it to be, I find it personally to be a little bit problematic. And and I've talked about goal setting for so many years on the podcast in lots of different ways, especially if you go way back to the, the Let's Run podcast. And I know that conventional wisdom talks about SMART goals and the T in SMART, which is a Oh my gosh, what's that word? I'm coming up with anagram and I know that's wrong and I know you know what I'm saying. So I'm just going to let it go because I really, it really frustrates me sometimes when those words just don't come to me. Anyways, I know you, I know you know what I'm saying about the first letter of several words forming a word in themselves. The T in SMART is time bound. Conventional wisdom tells you that you have to set an end date for your goal so that you will feel motivated to get it. And I will tell you that that has not been the case for me at all. Let's get in the Wayback Machine, shall we? Let's go back to 2009. 2009 is when I personally feel like I set my first real goal. I It's funny because I had actually lost weight in like 2006, 2007, and I really truly do not consider that a goal. It, it's funny when I think about it now because I remember that what I wanted was to not be fat anymore, and I had kind of a number in mind, more or less. I had no idea how long it was going to take me. I just knew that I wanted to kind of get there, and then along the way, I took like a bit of a, a side turn into exercising, which I had never enjoyed ever in my entire life, and suddenly found myself becoming a runner and it was utterly bizarre and and yes i still wanted to lose weight and i did focus on losing weight until i was done with losing weight but i also really kind of didn't and started focusing on running and and so everything that i did to get to that healthy weight and become a runner is honestly a lot of what i tell you guys not to do <laughs> it was it was the vaguest goal i had no idea really when i was going to stop and i got completely distracted on my way there and 
found a new goal and really started haha, running <laughs> with that new goal on my way. So, so I'm personally, I feel very lucky that any of that worked out for me because I did not do things in the way that I tell you guys to do them all the time. So it, it really cracks me up that, that I was successful with it at all. But here's what I did discover about that. Over the years, I've actually really pulled that apart, really, really parsed what I did that was successful and why in the world it worked for me. And here's what I have learned. I did not have language for what I wanted, but I was aiming for a feeling. I vividly remember that every time I thought about you know, eating something off of my, my eating plan, that I thought about what my stomach felt like. I thought about what I wanted to feel like in my body and that was incredibly motivating. It didn't have language. In fact, I'm still struggling to even come up with language to describe the feeling, but there was a, a lightness about it, a, a feeling of, and, and not just lightness like weighing less, but like, like a mental lightness that I knew I was aiming for. And, and now I would probably say it in terms of like self-love and self-acceptance because that is what I feel about my body. And that is what I feel every day, like both physically and mentally and spiritually about myself. So, so I guess that's how I would describe it. And I, I'm still not really doing it justice, but in any event, when I lost weight, I didn't set it as a goal. I, I really truly was running away from something and not towards something. And the first time that I really was running towards something, really, literally, was in 2009 when I set myself the goal of running a marathon. And I obviously trained for this marathon and I had been running for, well, at this point, like almost three years or yeah, almost exactly three years. And I had run, I think, two half marathons up until that point and had really struggled with meeting my personal goals. I, I finished, but I really struggled with, I struggled with setting time goals for myself and being mentally and physically prepared on the day of, meaning that the race, of course, you know, is run on a very specific day when, when you do not run virtually, which if you just started running and all you've done is virtual races, you might not know this. There are actual things called races where people gather in crowds and they run from a starting line to a finish line. <laughs> Sounds like a fairy tale at this point, but this is the way things used to go and hopefully will at some point go again in the future. But so I set myself this goal of running a marathon. And in addition to running the marathon, I had a time goal in mind based on, based on the times that I had been able to run certain distances. And, and it all on paper looked very easy. You follow this training plan, you do the work, and then you run the race. And there are plenty of people in the world for whom this is absolutely no problem. They set themselves a goal to run a marathon, they put in the time on their feet, and then they go and they run the marathon. I will tell you, however, that that is not the way it went for me at all. If you, if you are a long, long-time listener to the Let's Run and Fitness Matters podcast, you already know that my first marathon resulted in a DNF, did not finished. I stopped at mile 20 with all kinds of 
bodily function issues, which again, if you are a longtime listener, you, you know some of the problems that I have had while running. Really specifically, I was throwing up a lot. And I don't like to go into too much detail about that because I know that that's super gross for some people. So I'm going to leave it with, I felt like I could not go on. I have since revisited that decision and wondered if I should have just continued walking because I do know now that I could have physically continued. It would have it would have been frustrating in a different way, but I would have been able to finish. And so I do kind of second guess that decision. But at the time, at the time I was throwing up, I was, you know, having like chills and did not feel like it was safe for me to continue. So I didn't. And what happened was I had put this time bound goal onto myself to be prepared physically and mentally prepared on a certain date, which was sometime in September. I don't remember the exact date. I want to say it was like the 21st of 2009. And, and in addition to that, to run at a certain level, to be as good as I thought I could be. So there was, in my mind, there was kind of two layers of what I'm going to call pressure on myself. Now, having done lots of mental work in the intervening years, because that was 11, oh my gosh, 11 years ago. That's crazy. Like 11 and a half years ago. I have, I have since come to understand that pressure is a feeling and it comes from my own thoughts. At the time, I didn't entirely understand. I knew I was putting pressure on myself. Like I understood that that's what it was, but I didn't understand the effect that it was having on me. I knew that I had struggled during training. I knew that I had some self-doubts, but I kept just telling myself, well, of course I'm going to run this marathon. I'm running a marathon. I have this marathon on my schedule. I want to run a marathon. I'm capable of running a marathon. Of course I can, therefore I will. But there was absolutely a lot of chatter going on in my brain that did not for one second believe that I could do such a thing. Let's go ahead and fast forward a little bit to 2015 when I first set for myself a financial and subscriber goal for the year. 2015, I think, is when I started doing money work. I I really, I need to like figure out exactly when it was. It was life-changing, and so therefore I would really like to remember exactly when my life changed. The, the thing is, the process has been relatively slow, so I don't have like a fixed date in my mind. Like this is the day that I first understood that there was such a thing as like mindset issues, and I started unlocking them. It, it was sometime in 2014, I believe. So in 2015, I set myself an intention that my word of the year was forward because I wanted to just move forward with boldness and confidence. And I had set, I honestly don't remember what the numbers were. I'm thinking, I mean, in 2015, gosh, I probably had like a thousand subscribers, maybe 1500. So I was probably aiming for something in the realm of like 5,000 subscribers by the end of the year, something like that. And so therefore what I had done was I had taken where I am now and where I wanted to be. And I had divided it relatively evenly between the 12 months. And I know, or I knew at the time, and I still know that, that there is you know, there's kind of a snowball effect, especially on YouTube, or, but really building any kind of business, there's a sm- snowball effect. The first 
well, in my case, you know, seven years or <laughs> seven years is all very hard work for very little return. But then when you start gathering more people, the more people you have, you know, surrounding you, the more YouTube will show you to even more potential subscribers. So, so I, I knew that, you know, at the beginning of the year, I would probably gain subscribers more slowly, but then it would pick up over time. So I had this big chart. I mean, I had literally taped together like four pieces of paper. I had this big poster on my wall of exactly what my goals were and how I was going to get there and what was going to happen. And it was like this, this trajectory to success that, that was just what was going to happen. I was going to keep moving forward. And I vividly remember sometime in April, I don't remember the day. I just remember I just remember what happened. I was in absolute mental anguish. I was crying and I was frustrated and I tore that poster down because I was nowhere close to any of the things that I had set out for myself, that I had just absolutely not met any of my lofty goals. And it was, it was torture for me. I tortured myself with my failure And yet here I am in 2021, standing in my closet, recording this podcast and telling you that by the end of the year, I will have written a book. By the end of the year, I will have attracted half a million subscribers. By the end of the year, I will have gone on 30 adventures with my husband. How in the world can I stand here now announcing this to the world? Like not just making a little poster for myself that goes on my desk, but like telling people these really humongous time-bound goals. I will tell you that it comes down to two really distinct skills that I have learned. And this is what I'm going to tell you about whether or not you personally should set time-bound goals. Are you willing to learn these two skills and or have you already started learning? You don't have to already have them like completely under your belt. I do not by any stretch of the imagination think that I am perfect at these two skills. I think I have learned a lot about these two skills. I think I am well on my way to mastering these two skills and I'm willing to continue working on these two skills. If, if all of this feels a little bit out of reach for you with these two skills that I'm going to mention to you here in just a second, I strongly suggest that you set yourself a goal. I totally, totally, 100% suggest that you set yourself a goal because I totally believe in goals because I believe that the reason why we set goals is to learn things about ourselves. But I really, really suggest that you don't put a time on it that you don't, I'm going to say limit yourself by saying you have to reach a goal by a certain date. The reason why setting a goal by a certain date can be problematic and was problematic for me. The two examples that I gave you were, were given to you for a reason. They are the two skills that I needed to learn. The first skill that I needed to learn was to simply be willing to listen to what your brain is offering you. In 2009, when I wanted to run that marathon, I kind of heard what my brain was saying to me about, you know what, Paula, you can't do this. 
you know, Apollo, you've never finished anything in your life. You probably can't get to the finish line of a marathon. I heard it and shoved it down immediately. I kept trying to simply override what my brain was telling me. I kept with my my positive mantra, of course I can run this, of course I can do this. I've trained, I'm good at this, of course I can do this. I told myself that every single day. I really truly felt like I was doing the right thing by reinforcing these positive thoughts that I was having for myself, which is going to remind me to tell you that if this is something that you are doing. I do have a podcast about why you shouldn't speak positively to yourself, which sounds hilarious. And I'm pretty sure that that's the title or something very, very similar to it. It's something about stop talking positively. But but what I was doing was just trying to hear only the good things. I was trying to push past, move forward past my my negative thinking, and I wasn't willing to listen to it. And I know that you might be thinking to yourself, Paula, but if you listen to your negative thinking, you're giving into it. Absolutely not. Not true at all. What happens when you start to listen to the negative thinking is that you become aware of it. There's so much more of it than you realize. And I say that so nicely. I say that to you. I say that to you as somebody who, who is just starting to fully grasp how often I speak negatively to myself. This is not a problem that you are going to conquer. You, your goal is not to never say something negative to yourself ever again. It is actually to recognize that you are speaking negatively to yourself. Because when you start to listen to it, start to understand how often these are things you are saying to yourself, you will realize that they're just thoughts. They're just thoughts like every other thought we have. None of them are true. None of them are facts. Every single thing you tell yourself is an opinion. It's all opinions. But if you're not listening to them, they are affecting you and your outcomes so much more than you think. The reason you have not achieved your goal is because there is something you are telling yourself about why you can't have it. When you are willing to listen to what your brain is saying to you about why you can't have what you want, it unlocks the door to having what you want. When I wasn't listening to my brain saying, you can't finish this because you've never finished anything in your life, it affected me very, very one-to-one correlation by not being able to finish the marathon that I started. Your brain is running the show. It is. (laughs) Your thoughts are creating your reality. And it's not the intentional thoughts that you're having that are creating your reality. It's the unintentional, back of the brain, negative nonsense that you are trying not to hear. When you are willing to listen to what your brain is offering you, you will understand why you are getting the results you are getting right now. You will understand how to not just squash those thoughts down, but to simply recognize them, to allow them to exist in your brain and not believe them. Every single time I set any kind of a goal, every single time I do anything, honestly, anything I'm realizing, my brain still offers me 
that I'm too stupid. Every day, in every way, my brain simply shows up with this thought, no, you're too stupid. And every day, in every way, I am willing to hear it and not believe it. I have not eradicated that thought in any, in any manner. I, it comes up every single day for so many reasons that don't even seem related. And yet, here is that thought that my brain offers me. The difference between 2009 and 2021 is that now I hear it, I recognize it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there you are. Now, to me, that thought of you're too stupid Truly, it feels like an old friend. It feels like like a funny friend who just pops up with a little jokey joke. Ha <laughs> ha, you're too stupid. <laughs> and it's funny to me because my brain just really wants to offer it to me. It's not true. It's not a fact. It's an opinion that my brain has become incredibly, incredibly efficient at offering me. And so it's going to continue to offer it to me, possibly for the rest of my life. The difference is that now it doesn't affect me. When you are willing to listen to what your brain is offering you, to really dig in, and here's the problem with this skill. When you are first developing this skill, first of all, you're not going to be good at it, which, I mean, is is the problem with any skill. And so, therefore, there is like a subset of skills that you need. You need to be willing to not be good at listening to your thoughts, and you really need to be willing to feel miserable, like truly miserable. The first, I'm going to say the first hundred or so times that I actually truly heard that thought of you're too stupid, it hurt. It totally hurt my feelings. Obviously, who wants to be called stupid? It's a terrible thought that is creating terrible feelings for me. However, I got very good at noticing that it was just a thought. The only way to notice your terrible thoughts is to let yourself think them. And those terrible thoughts are creating terrible feelings. So when you first start noticing your terrible thoughts, you are going to feel terrible. That is a skill in and of itself. Allowing yourself to feel miserable while you are learning to listen to what your brain is offering you is for me, I think it was the hardest part. And I didn't understand yet at the time when I first started going through all of this, I really didn't understand that my thoughts were creating my feelings and that, you know, the feelings then were generating actions, which were giving me my results. So I didn't understand that whole chain of events. I just knew that every time I dug up some crappy thought about myself, I just felt crappy. And it was really hard to do that. It's hard to want to feel lousy. But I will tell you that feeling lousy is a very small price to pay for really honing the skill of listening to what your brain is offering you. When you listen to what your brain is offering you, you will be able to move past it in a way that you cannot simply muscle past it the way that you are likely trying to right now. Muscling past your thoughts doesn't do you any good. Listening to them, allowing yourself to feel terrible, fully understanding that they are just thoughts. That is the only way to move through those thoughts. The second skill that you're going to need 
is to be willing to fail in a really big way and keep going anyways. In 2015, when I pulled down that poster in a fit of peak and was crying and miserable, I let go of all the goals that I had for that year. I absolutely just put them out of my mind. I mean, <laughs> put them out of my mind the way that I put out other things out of my mind. I'm still actually thinking about those 2015 goals, about how, how I had something to learn from them. But I thought I was putting those goals out of my mind. What I was actually doing was shoving them down and layering a, uh, a whole slathering of self-judgment on top of them. I still wasn't entirely willing to hear what I was saying to myself in 2015. And so therefore, I just quit on those goals. Now, obviously I didn't fully quit because here I am still all these years later, pushing forward, moving forward, learning and, and getting much larger goals. But at the time I felt like quitting. That was because I had not developed the skill of being willing to fail. Being willing to fail is, is very it's very related to being willing to listen to what your brain is offering you because even even that that word fail failure isn't a fact failure is a thought when you think you are failing that's all it is it's a thought that you are failing it's an opinion that you are failing it's not there's not some objective i mean sometimes there is i mean for example not finishing a marathon it was was failing at that because i did not complete what i anticipated completing there are some objective measures, but generally speaking, when you are thinking, oh, I'm failing at losing weight because the scale fluctuated or because the scale isn't going down right now or, or whatever, whatever it is that makes you feel like you're failing. Maybe you had you know, a, a day of eating outside your protocol, something like that. There are, there are all kinds of ways in which we tell ourselves we are failing and all of them, every single one of them is an opinion and not a fact, which of course, I mean, I've mentioned this several times times, but please do go listen to that episode also. The opinions versus facts is, it's, it's very foundational for all of this work. The thing about failing is that it does not feel good. It does not feel good at all. And this is something that trips up a lot of us, is that when something doesn't go the way we anticipate it going, we we call ourselves a failure. We call the situation failing. And that word and that feeling block us from being able to get what we need out of the situation. They block us from being able to see the situation and all situations are simply information. When you are willing to fail, what that means is that you are willing to feel really, really, really lousy. You are willing to let yourself have the feeling of failure and not believe it. It's actually, I mean, again, it's very related to being willing to listen to what your brain is offering you because your brain is simply offering you that you failed and that you are a failure and that, you know, you're, you're too stupid and that you're never going to be able to get where you want to go in your life, etc. I, I mentioned this really specifically because something happened yesterday. I, I had what I consider an epic fail. I, I was supposed to get something done and and I did not, and I could not. And I sat at my desk and I cr 
cried and I was so angry at myself for not being able to complete this thing that I needed to complete in a timely manner, like it needed to be completed in a timely manner. And my brain offered me all kinds of thoughts about why this is why you'll never get where you want to go. And this is, this is what I keep telling you about how stupid you are. And it took me, I'm going to say it took me about an hour or two, probably two, to sort through all of those thoughts, to remind myself that they were simply thoughts, to feel the feelings that they brought up because boy, oh boy, did they bring up lots of disappointment and frustration and anger and sadness about my place in the world as a businesswoman. And then, and then I, I felt my way all the way through it. I recognized those thoughts as thoughts and I decided that I would like to think of something else, that there must be a way to figure out a different way forward. Perhaps not the way that I thought, well, definitely not the way that I thought, that, that door has closed, and so I need to figure out a different way forward. But I'm absolutely smart enough to figure out a different way forward and to make things happen in a different way and still get the same result that I wanted from the way that I was gonna get it the other way. I know that was super vague. It's just, it was, it was really technical and it doesn't really matter. But, but here's the thing. Being willing to fail in a big way like that took me time to figure it out. That day that I ripped down the poster and I said, I'm just going to quit. I didn't quit, but I also didn't know what to do with that failure. Failure is honestly, it's inevitable. It is truly inevitable. And I say that so nicely and so lovingly, even though it came out very bluntly, you are going to fail on your way to your goal. Like you just are. That's just part of, if you, if you were already a hundred percent capable of getting your goal, you'd already have it. You have something to learn on your way to your goal. That's why we set goals is to learn things about ourselves. That's a hundred percent why I think goal getting, goal setting is so good for you. It's not because of the goal. It's because of what you learn. It's who you become. So I was not willing to become a different person at that time. Obviously, over time, I have become more willing to become a different person because I am a rather different person than I was in 2015. But it was slow going. I was not willing to fail. I was not willing to not get my goals. I was not willing to hear what I was telling myself about that failure. I was not willing to look for another route to success. I was not willing to to do anything, honestly, other than feel sorry for myself. And that's really what I did. I spent a good portion, I'm going to say, of 2015. And really, I spent a good portion of my life prior to 2015 just feeling sorry for myself, just feeling like I was never going to get what I wanted because because I just, I, I, now I recognize I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't capable. All of those thoughts that I now recognize as thoughts. And here's the thing. When I set a time-bound goal for myself this year, I know, I know going into it that I am going to fail. I know going into it that my brain is going to offer me lots of junk. 
understanding that from the get-go and, and understanding it from a place of experience. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you just because you're listening to this podcast, you might be like, oh, I totally get this intellectually. And therefore I'm going to go ahead and set myself a time bound goal, even though it's the first goal I've ever set. And I go ahead. That's totally fine. But understand, understand that there's work to be done here. I already know what a lot of this work looks like. I've already put in a lot of this work. I already have begun recognizing a lot of the thoughts that my brain offers me. I've begun to understand that I can fail and still succeed. That is why I'm willing this year to set very lofty, time-bound goals for myself and to tell you about them. I might fail. In fact, I know I'm going to fail on my way there in some manner, but I'm also, I might, I might fail at the completion of the goal. And what I've done in order to ensure that I get there as best I can is I've actually started I know you know what I'm going to say. I've started making a list. <laughs> I don't have enough items on it just yet to really share anything like significant with you other than what I've already shared with you about thinking that I'm too stupid. I have begun to open my mind to all of the reasons why I can't have this goal. When you can ask yourself that and really, really just be open and not not take it as a reason to feel sorry for yourself, not take it as a reason to feel bad about yourself, not take it as a reason to do anything other than be super, super curious about what your brain is offering you and, and all the ways in which you might fail because these are things that your brain is offering you. It really opens you up to the experience of both failure and success. When you make a list of all the reasons why you can't have your goal. I'm going to tell you just super quickly, it's going to feel lousy. I feel like I feel like all the advice I've given you today, I've given you a bunch of practical steps and all of them are, oh, and by the way, this is going to feel terrible while you're doing it. You're welcome. This is, this is the most helpful podcast ever. But here's the thing. When you are willing to open your brain and hear all the reasons why your brain thinks you can't have what you want, that is the list of your work. That is the list of thoughts that you are going to need to work through. And there will be other ones that pop up. Like when I sat down to make this list, I really only came up with, like I said, the, the thing about being too stupid and not knowing what I'm doing. Like I, I didn't, I didn't generate a lot of thoughts on this just yet. So I am, I am keeping myself open and aware for the fact that other thoughts are going to pop up. Other obstacles are going to show up in my way and I'm going to need to recognize them as just that. They're just obstacles. They're thoughts, they're opinions, they're things that my brain is going to offer me on my way to success. Setting a specific time for that success is part of what is going to freak out your brain. It, it truly is. When you have a deadline, there is another, I'm going to say another layer of thoughts about why you can't have it in that specifically timely manner. Like maybe you think, oh, okay, I can lose, you know, the hundred pounds that I want to lose over the course of a couple of years, because that really gives your brain plenty of space to think, well, you know what? It'll happen someday. It'll happen somewhere along the lines. But if you think to yourself, I'd like to lose a hundred pounds this year, suddenly 
that is a lot more real to your brain and your brain will offer you a lot more of the junky thoughts more immediately. This is to me why I am willing to set time bound goals this year. Having set lots of long-term goals in my past, I've dug up a lot of those junky thoughts. I've dug up a lot of the work that I needed to do. I personally am ready to kind of turbocharge my brain and let it offer me more junk now. I'm ready to to listen to what my brain is going to offer me. I'm ready to fail in a way that is bound to time. I know that this was kind of a lot to take in and, and it might be a little bit advanced for where you are and, and don't let that throw you off of wherever you are in your goal setting game right now. If you are just kind of tippy towing into the waters, sometimes it's kind of nice to have somebody who is a little bit further down the road let you know that, hey, you know what? It's not as easy as it looks, but you're going to make it through anyways. That is what I would love to offer you here at the end of this podcast. Just because I've spent the entire podcast telling you that you're going to feel lousy the whole time (laughs) that you are setting and getting your goal, don't let that throw you off your game. Feeling lousy is part of our human experience. It's part of what makes life so wonderful. You're not going to feel lousy 100% of the time. You're not going to feel amazing 100% of the time. Sometimes you're going to feel great. Sometimes you're going to feel lousy. Being willing to feel all of those things is, is what makes all of this worth your while. You guys, you guys, you know I still want to hear your goals. Did I ask you that last week? Did I ask you to share your goals, your resolutions for this year? I don't even remember. That's super funny. And I just, I wasn't even that long ago. Anyway, if you didn't tell me last week, tell me this week, <laughs> what's on your list? And are you trying to accomplish it this year or this month or this week or this day or this whatever? Or are you allowing yourself some space and some time to figure it all out? I would love to hear. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. So are you totally loving this mindset work and you really want to do it like, you know, every day in order to get your goal? Then my friend, you need to join the Get Your Goal group. It is my personal and private, very interactive coaching and accountability group where every day we talk about your mindset and we get your goal. You can learn all about it at paulabfitness.com slash get dash your dash goal. I'll see you in the goal group.